Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 17, Thicker Than Water. Mary, what happened this week? Donna finally gets to go skiing, and she's bringing Brandon, Steve, and Brenda along with her. She asks Kelly to keep an eye on David while she's gone. She's still trying to talk to him, even though he just sucks right now. David tells Donna she's not ready for a mature relationship again in reference to the fact that she won't sleep with him before marriage. Donna, finally, is like, fuck you, I get to decide when I'm ready to do things, and I'm glad I'm not bringing you skiing with me. Donna has some boot trouble on the slopes and meets a cute boy named Chad. He tells her she has cute feet, which weird, but whatever. They have lunch. Brenda joins them, and Chad invites them both to a skiing lesson with a guy he works with, because Brenda isn't good at skiing. Donna hangs out late at the lodge after everyone else leaves and makes out with Chad by the fire. Before things go further, Donna says, Chad, you're really nice, but I'm in love with a guy who drinks meth. Chad's like, that's fine, I'll drive you home. What a nice boy. Brandon and Steve just make fun of Jim's hairy everything, and at one point we get another bird montage, so that was cool. I have truly forgotten how much I love when Steve and Brandon are just like in the background. Yeah, it's like a a weird thing though, because on the one hand, I totally agree. And it's like, I love when they do things in the background because it's almost like the pressure for them is off so they can just be goofy. But at the same time, this episode, like the whole time I was like, what's missing? What is missing? And then by the end of it, I'm like, oh my God do I need Brandon and Steve to be like a main part of the story? (laughs) Right? I thought that too. You know, realistically, the entire story, all they're doing is skiing on like really hard ski slopes and like, I don't know, congratulating each other, maybe hitting on women in line (laughs) for things. Like it would have been nothing to, you know, write home about. And I'm sitting here like, but I bet they had fun and I want to see it. Yeah. It's like you almost want to see the like – pointless stuff more than the plot points that we actually got in this episode oh yeah I think that's probably the bigger point is I'm tired of David being on meth and being an asshole yeah so I'm just like let's just let's just have fun like make David on meth in the background (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's just make like really bad drug use just the background How cute would it have been to have, like, a scene where it's just, like, Brandon and Steve trying to get girls to ride on, like, the ski lift with them or something? Yeah, right? Like, I just want a montage of them being, like, hey, yeah, we're going on the – is Black Diamond a scary thing? That's, like, yes. The biggest thing, right? I think. I don't know – (laughs) yeah. I don't know skiing very well, but, like – I'm just picturing them like loudly talking like, oh, man, you on that black diamond and me on that other black diamond. We're so good. Hey, ladies, (laughs) you want to go skiing? Have you ever heard of a slalom? I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) If you make a pizza slice with your skis, it makes you go slow. And if you go, I don't know. French fries. French fries. (laughs) Go fast. (laughs) No, all I know about skiing is pizza and french fry, and then the episode of The Simpsons 
where they all go skiing and Flanders is in like that skin tight bodysuit and he's like, it feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. <laughs> is that the stupid sexy Flanders episode? <laughs> yes, it is. That's <laughs> all I know. <laughs> okay, but like picture it. You could totally see Steve in a skin tight like speed skier outfit being like shaking his little booty. He would do it. He would do it in a heartbeat. And he would pull it off. Oh, and yeah. let him wear his mustache from the poker party. <laughs> <laughs> We've been dying for that stash to make a return. Oh, my gosh. Nothing would make me happier than if the boys started having facial hair. Especially oh. if, like, one of them was really bad, like, couldn't grow it and it came in kind of patchy. I feel like that's actually, like, an interesting point. I feel like is, – is that normal for – I mean, I guess they were in high school, so it's, like, what high schoolers have facial hair – not many, but like, do a lot of heartthrob shows show guys with facial hair? I don't think so because I imagine, you know, when you shave your face, like I know if John shaved his face, he would just look so much younger to me, mm, right? Because true. he's had a full beard for so long. So I think they probably keep them clean shaven so that they look younger since they're all in their 30s. And probably like continuity, right? Because the beard grows. So you want you don't want to have to keep trimming or shaving or whatever to... That's an interesting thing. I never thought of before. Yeah. Because, like, that's that's another thing. They're in their first year of college, and especially, you know, our high school, you could not have facial hair. So, like, hmm. every single guy that I knew, as soon as we graduated, all started, like, trying to grow beards and, like, horrible little goatees <laughs> and, like, just because they could. Right. Right. That's funny. Yeah. The only, the only person I could think of that, like, comes to mind for – having facial hair is Mutt from Schitt's Creek, but he's like old, so it doesn't matter. And then it was a plot point because he shaved his face and she was like, you have little doll lips. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Good times. But anyway, back to this. Um, yeah. So they're getting like Donna's bragging about her like custom boots and trying to convince Kelly to go and she doesn't want to and even even then Donna's like well maybe I shouldn't go after like she tries to throw out an olive branch to David by saying like hey you should come too if you're in a bad mood this this could be really fun and then he sucks he is absolutely horrible like because first of all I totally side with Kelly where I don't remember exactly what she says but she's like when the temperature dips below a certain thing I hibernate Yes, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I, yeah, I am not a cold weather sports person. And then David walks in and they're like, oh, David, is that you? And he goes, no, it's Saddam Hussein. And then just like walks into his bedroom. Which like, again, the the, the times, but I'm like, Saddam Hussein, like, <laughs> why is that your go-to? <laughs> He's just like, sir. I know. What? Oh, now I am really curious. I didn't look up like current events from this week. I wonder if they like wrote like, no, it's fill in name later and then just like picked up a newspaper and were like, what's hot this week? It could have been. I mean, yeah. That would be really fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. So I was also going to mention that this episode is written by Lana Freistat Melman, who we have not seen before. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. She is new. And then I think she's new. Wait, no. This is the second time we've seen her because she did midlife dot, 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 now what? 
Okay. When Dylan was having all of those like fantasies of what life would be like married to Brenda and Kelly. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. That was a fun one. Yeah. Right? I was like, I some of her little like things that got put in this episode, I really loved. Like I think the overall story kind of bored me, but like when Steve and Brandon are mocking Jim's hair shirt, I enjoyed that. But this is the first time we see the director, who's Michael Lang. And, like, I think he does a couple more of these. But he has directed, like, everything that we've ever seen. He's done episodes of Buffy. He's done One Tree Hill. He did Dawson's Creek. He did The O.C. He did Band Candy for Buffy. (laughs) So he's, like, a serial teen drama director, I guess. Yeah, I think he's living my dream. (laughs) But anyway, so I guess, like, this is where Donna goes into David's bedroom and, like, tries to invite him to go skiing again. He's just snapping at her, like, no, I have to babysit this weekend. I can't do that. And then he says, maybe I wouldn't be in such a bad mood all the time if I had a girlfriend who is capable of a mature relationship. Which the only thing he means by mature relationship is, like, sex obviously but he's the one being immature right like this i wrote down i don't think the whole conversation but i wrote most of it because then she says something about like this is about sex isn't it and he's like of course it's about sex and she goes there's more to life than sex and he goes how would you know because she doesn't have it dude i'm fucking (laughs) living it man that's what i I was like, am I missing something? Like, this is a bad argument. This is how you know he's on meth and hasn't slept. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, my favorite part is where they, like, kind of close it out. And he says, it's the same old song, Donna, and it's getting really old. And I was like, oh, really, David? She's saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah, right. Really. You're you're like a freaking broken record. Like, ugh. Man, it makes me think that comment of him – basically saying the wrong thing and saying like how would you know to Donna saying it's not all about sex it actually made me think of again Gilmore Girls reference when Lane finally has sex with Zach on their honeymoon after getting married and she comes back and she's like hey you could have told me and Rory's like what and she's like sex is bad (laughs) (laughs) sex sucks and then Rory's like um sex doesn't have to suck and she's like oh no I, like, I get it now. You, I don't know why you guys kept it from me, but I, I get it. It's okay. I, I'm okay with a sexless marriage. And it's like, sure. I mean, if, if I mean, think about it. Like, people are different. If you don't want it, fine. You just got to find somebody who's cool with that. <laughs> and, but I'm like, David, you, Donna's right. You don't, you also don't know that life is more than, or like, whatever when Donna's like life is more about sex or whatever and he's like how would you know it's like David you don't know either you don't know that sex is the big thing in life or not like you both are virgins <laughs> he's so consumed by it mm-hmm. like he's the one where people say need to say like there's more to life than sex like just right. because you are not having it like big whoop get over it exactly also you're like 17 years old like slow your roll my dude I mean, yeah, that's that's the whole thing, right? He made this huge push to graduate high school early, which, you know, was for TV purposes to get them all in college at the same time. But it kind of 
fits in his whole character of he just really wants to grow up. Yeah, true. Very true. Like, he's tired of being a little kid and he equates being an adult with graduating high school and going to college and having sex. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And drugs. Apparently. Agreed. But then, okay, so Donna, obviously hurt by that, we kind of go away from them for a little bit. Because then we get to go to the Walshes, and it's like peak Cindy. Like, we thought Thanksgiving and Christmas were like Super Bowl Cindy, but like, this is almost peak Cindy because she gets to pack snacks for the group because, of course, she does. <laughs> I know. I do feel like this is her being like, this is my time to shine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like she packs sandwiches, she packs grapes. And Brandon's like, it's only a four-hour drive or something like that. I think it was it two. was two. <laughs> it was two. a two-hour drive because I wrote that down because it looks like the cooler is literally packed to the brim yeah. with sandwiches. Well, it's great because I remember when like you and I and Nate and John, we went to Nashville and that's a four-hour drive from Atlanta. And we also had snacks, but like it made sense because it's a four-hour drive. But She's packing so much stuff for a two-hour drive, and I think that's wonderful. She knows these kids can't afford anything when they get there. <laughs> I just love it so much. Like, she literally – they had the cooler. They had the two big bags of stuff. Like, she was not going to let them starve. She was like, but you never know. Maybe you're snacky for chips. Maybe you're snacky for grapes. You know what you need? You need some vegetables. So I threw those in there too. Mm-hmm. She's prepared. I think she misses, like, getting to just cook for everyone all the time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Brenda and Brandon still live at the house, but it's not like they really hang out with Jim and Cindy anymore. Right. Like, they're probably not there for dinner most nights, or if they are, it's, like, not planned necessarily. So, you know, Cindy probably has to cook a little bit less because it's just her and Jim. And so it's classic, like, empty nester, you know, vibe that we're getting here, which is so adorable on Sunday. And I just hope that Jim appreciates her. (laughs) I hope so. I bet he does. Like, I hope so. I mean, speaking of Jim, this is like when he walks in and he's doing like very classic dad of like, I'm not bothering to dress for your friends. I'm just going to walk around in my jammies, (laughs) which just so happened to not include a shirt. (laughs) Yeah. And what do, what does Brandon and Steve say when they see him? <laughs> they start like picking at his robe and going, Fred Siegel hair shirt? No, right. just hormones. Nineteen ninety-five, <laughs> right? I was dying. So good. I was just like, oh my God. Like, I don't think I think uh Jason Priestley has a little bit of chest hair. I really don't remember, but I mean Ian Zeering is blonde, so like it would never grow up like Jim's does and I was like oh they look they're like little babies Mm-hmm. well yeah because we've seen Brandon's escape from his shirt just like ever so slightly but yeah then there's Jim and it's just a whole other ball game <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I I couldn't stop like this whole thing I just kept talking about it because you know this is where I guess Andrea calls she tells them that she has the flu so she's not going and so, like, Brenda, Brandon, and Steve all leave the house. They have to go get Donna because Donna wants to drop out because David's put her in a bad mood. So they're going to go get her and just, like, be done with it. And then Jim and Cindy are finally alone. And they're just like, Cindy's like, should we go catch a movie? And then Jim, despite being half naked, is just like, no, nah, I'm going to go work. Yeah. 
read the room, Jim. Your wife clearly wants to spend time with you. It's like, Jim, you're halfway there. Just yeah. like take one of those extra sandwiches she made, go upstairs, and just like spend some time with your wife. Yep. No, he wants to go spend time with background checks and tax returns. He needs those receipts. I mean, literally, I think the next thing he says is like, no, I have to go call Dylan. Yep. Half naked. (laughs) Which I guess also is on brand for the Walshes and Dylan. Oh, yeah. Good point. And then like, I guess we don't see them for a while because Donna. I was just scrolling through for a while. I don't think we see her again until she's tried skiing and her boots are giving her like really bad blisters and she can't even get them off. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, because as you recall, Donna gets some like custom boots because she finally gets to go skiing and is super happy about it. But then, of course, because of their brand new boots, they're giving her blisters and such. So she kind of goes back into the lodge um, and she meets this guy who makes a joke about her boot. Um and then they kind of keep talking and and the only thing I could think of was like if I didn't know if she had rolled her ankle at this point or she was just getting blisters because I was like you don't take off the shoe if it's a like swollen ankle because you can't put it back on and but we I mean it's just blisters and such but then we yeah this guy who we still don't know his name at this point but he basically asked her on like a little like date and we still don't get his name. I'm like, Donna, you don't know him. He's a stranger. <laughs> okay, but he's like really charming mm-hmm. and I couldn't get over it because I don't remember exactly how the whole conversation goes because I only wrote one thing down. But I remember him being like uh, offering to help her and she's like, no, no, it's fine. And he's like, no, no, I'm a doctor during the day. I'm just working here to pay my way through ski school. Yeah, right. That like, that oh old gosh. that old chestnut. <laughs> he was just so adorable. And then yeah, he like invites her to lunch or something and she says that she can't go because she's going to go soak her tootsies and call it a day. Mhm. Classic Donna being adorable about everything. So adorable. I just heard tootsies in <laughs> all caps. Like she slays me. She does. She oh, she's so good. But then we take some time apart from um, this guy that we don't know. But then we're back at the ski lodge and he's like, we're at lunch or whatever. And he's still flirting with Donna. Then Brenda shows up. um, And then we learn his name is Chad. Because of course it is. Of course it is. Can't be a dude just hitting on a woman and not be named Chad. Um. But then he offers to give them lessons because Brenda's bad at skiing. Um, and Donna's like being super flirty too. So at this point, I'm like, yes, Donna, go go get some guy. Like find a guy who will treat you nice and not be mad at you 24-7. Yeah, just like have a great weekend skiing with this guy, Chad, and his friend who will hang out with Brenda, who also – frankly could use another fun weekend too like we mm-hmm. haven't seen anything romantic happening with her since she called off the wedding at the altar very true yeah so I guess that answers that question of which we had a long time ago is are they actually broken up yes yes they are <laughs> I mean you have to assume so right like I wonder what Stuart's doing right now I know I kind of miss Stuart I mean especially with some of the guys that we have going on right now like David being such a little butthole, I'm just like, 
I could I could deal with Stuart. I could deal I could deal with bland face Stuart. <laughs> I definitely could. And like this is the thing, you know, Chad and uh, Donna are being so flirty with each other, and I feel like Brenda spends this whole scene just being like, "What is happening here?" She's totally like side eyeing them, like tossing some shade, like just trying to be like, "Hold on, is this is this good? Is this bad?" His name is Chad. I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> <laughs> trying to suss out the situation and yeah it's cute though like I actually like the whole dynamic of Brenda trying to be like a watchful protector just in case but also doesn't want to interfere because this is a good thing for Donna so I, I like the dynamic oh I love it and it kind of continues because like the rest of this thing I think Chad leaves lunch because he has to go back to work. Mm -hmm. And then Donna and Brenda just like hang out in the lodge all day. This is the next time you see Stephen Brandon just like show up and just be Stephen Brandon. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, we've spent all day skiing. We're so ready to go get dinner. Let's go. And Donna's like, no, no, you guys go. I'll find a ride home later. And Brenda's still doing that same thing of like, do I need to be a watchful friend over you? Do I need to be a wingman and just like make sure that you know, you're having fun. Mm -hmm. What am I supposed to be? And then they end up leaving so that Donna can just stay up at the lodge and wait for Chad. This totally gave me vibes of, um, which I know it happened after, but of the ski trip episode of Boy Meets World when Corey hurts his ankle on the slope. Or no, not on the slopes, just getting off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, that's so right. And so he hangs out with Lauren, a.k.a. Linda Cardellini, in a wonderful role for her as the girl that gets Corey to cheat on Topanga. I will never forgive him for that. This really does have, like, so many parallels to that. It really does. Yeah, because Corey literally, literally spends all day at the lodge while his friends are out skiing. Donna spends the whole day at the lodge while her friends are out skiing. And then, I mean, granted... At this point, the lodge was also the place where they stayed. Like, it was like a hotel or an inn as well. And obviously not the case because we know this, it's Donna's family's house. Um, but essentially, they stay up pretty late just, like, talking and getting to know each other and then kissing. No, this is – it's identical. I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, Corey and Topanga are so much better than Donna and David ever will be. Oh, 100%. In my opinion. But yeah, like the next time we see them, Donna and Chad are just like making out in front of the fire and just talking. And then, I mean, this is where, you know, it takes the split because Donna, you know, cuts it short and is like, no, no, we can't go to a secondary location because I'm in love with someone else. Right. Which like good for her and at least being honest and not leading Chad on because that that would be terrible, even if it was just somebody you'd met for just met and probably will never see again. Um I just hate it for Donna because I want her happiness and I just – David is not the person that can supply her with that happiness right now. Yeah. No, exactly. And then, like, I started getting, like, weirdly attached to Chad, who I know we'll never <laughs> see again, because he's so respectful. Yeah. Like, she cuts it short. I think he, like, goes for one more kiss and then he's like, well, I could go kick David's butt for you. And she's like, no, no, I think I need to go kick David's butt. And he's like, okay, well, let me give you a ride back to your house. And then I'll leave you alone forever. I also think it was like, 
kind of cute how he said but which I don't know I don't remember the rules of swearing in TV back in the 90s but like I don't know it just sounded so kid-like and was kind of refreshing that perhaps they're on the same page you know exactly that was the th- I don't know if this is exactly how he said it but I wrote Chad offers to kick David in the butt <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's very childish, but, like, it's the right level of him being, like, do you want me to go, you know, kick this guy into gear and, like, make him realize that he needs to respect you and treat you the way that you deserve to be treated? Because I would do that. Right. Well, and the language is a little bit whimsical, which is Donna. Like, Donna is extremely light and and whimsical and very, like – um not a care in the world kind of girl. Like she just doesn't let things really get to her except David, obviously, but rightfully so. And so I feel like their personalities are like doing the right thing here, which was cute, which, yeah, it kind of made me a little bit attached to Chad too. Man, justice for Chad's man. He's like the one good Chad. (laughs) Right. That's what I was thinking this whole time. I was like, oh no, his name is Chad. And then I was like, wait a minute. Is this a good Chad? (laughs) God. Also, just a little side note, and this is just an observation on my part. Chad looked a little bit like a Who from Whoville. Oh, that works. That works with Donna too, because she's a Christmas baby. Again, she kind of yeah, she's a Christmas baby, and she has that vibe. Like she could thrive in Whoville, I think. Oh, she absolutely would. I feel like she wouldn't be Martha May Whovier. But I feel like she should be with, like, those tight little dresses and the big house with all the decorations Mm -hmm. and the super creepy mayor. Ugh. But, yes, I can see it. I can see it. Right? And then, yeah, I think that's it. I think Chad drives her back to her house and then, like, successful ski trip. Yep. Donna finally got to go skiing, even if she didn't ski really at all. (laughs) I know. I felt so bad. She didn't seem too upset about it, though. At least she was there. I mean, it definitely worked out for her. I feel like she's going to be in some pain for the Mm -hmm. next couple of days, but it's not that bad. Yeah. It was a good weekend. Gosh, I really hope she, like, comes back next week and David is, like, I don't know, maybe doesn't get the chance to be apologetic first. And she's just like, no, I had a really great weekend with Chad. (laughs) Yeah. David's like, who's Chad? And – Donna be like, this really nice guy who doesn't give a shit about what – if we have sex or not. I don't know. Yeah, she respected easily, my boundaries. Yeah, she could easily, like, throw something in his face. But she's too good for I that. She's even too good for that. Like, all, all of our plotting and planning, Donna's above it. So she won't do that. I know, which makes me upset. I mean, it makes me happy because Donna is above that and she's a great character. But I'm sitting here like, just throw it in David's face. Just mm-hmm. make him feel bad. Totally. But yeah, that's Donna, Brenda, Brandon, and Steve. Yeah. So who's next? Andrea. (laughs) Andrea thinks she has the flu, so she goes to the doctor on campus. While she's there, she also gets tested for AIDS just in case. Andrea gets her results the next day, and it's not the flu, and it's not AIDS. It's a baby. (laughs) I can't get over this show like I know it is so much of the times so like, yeah I don't think it's bad but I love how many times this show brings up AIDS 
Like, right? she's just like, I just want an AIDS test. I'm like, why don't you just get like a full STD panel? Right. And I don't know if they did. Did they? I mean, I assume they did that back then, right? Like, they probably had full panels. I don't see why they wouldn't. But like, this the show is very much like AIDS is a big thing right now. We just have to keep bringing it up. And like, of course, of anyone who's going to ask for this, it would be Andrea. Oh, 100%. Like, the one who would be super, super responsible about it, which, like, I I actually think that's a really great choice to have Andrea do it because she is known as the most responsible and she is known as, like, sort of the most educated on the topic, even if she's not – I mean, now she's having a lot of sex, but, like, in high school she wasn't. So it's, like, it comes across as very authentic and, like, you can trust her when she says, like, I just want to do this to be careful, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's like if a teen in the 90s was watching this and heard her say that, I feel like they would trust that, oh, that's probably a good decision, you know? Yeah. I mean, and this is so much more like, I guess, you know, respectful and knowledgeable of saying like, I just want to get an AIDS test. I want to be absolutely sure that everything's fine. And like, you know, she and her doctor have a real short conversation about it versus the last time we heard about it when David just like yells at people and is like, you know, what's real AIDS and that person died. Right, right. It was like it felt out of place when David was talking about it. And even though it's like, yeah, that that is a very real thing and people do die from AIDS, it's like it didn't it didn't land as like solidly as it would if it came from somebody like Andrea or even to some extent Brandon probably, just because he's in the show, he is known as kind of the authority figure in terms of like uh, you know, being um, doing the right thing or being the, you know, quote unquote, good guy or whatever. So um, in a way, I'm kind of glad, even though it was like a short story, this this episode, glad that it happened to Andrea, that she was the one asking. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly, that's a good point about Brandon, too. I feel like, you know, if they brought it up again in the future and Brandon was, you know, about to have sex with a new partner and they end up having a conversation of like, well, you know, who have you been with in the past? Have you gotten an STD test recently? Like, blah, blah, blah. I feel like that would totally track for a relationship that Brandon would end up having. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. I totally but, agree. Like, yeah, Andrea asks for this test. Her doctor and her have this conversation. And this is another time that they bring up that she's pre-med without, like, really having told us in the past that she switched from journalism to pre-med. Mm-hmm. And she just sounds like such a nightmare on that point where she's like, well, it could be strep, but I haven't had this. And I was thinking it might be mono. Da, 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 da. So I just came in for a flu test and blah, blah. like, I just, it sounds like WebMD before WebMD existed. Right. Exactly. It's like <laughs> less to the extreme of has a headache, goes to, goes on at WebMD, conclusion, like I'm brain dead or so, you know, like <laughs> something ridiculous that everybody does when they look at the rabbit hole that is WebMD. But yeah, it's like, it's less severe as that, but it's still the whole, like, I'm not a doctor yet, but I will be. And so I'm hyper fixated on being able to self-diagnose. Yeah. To a doctor. <laughs> that was my favorite part is that the doctor was just like, you're pre-med, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Saw her coming. <laughs> it's like, oh no. And then, I mean, that's really, like, the only other thing that happens is the next day, Andrea, you know, goes back for her follow-up appointment at the doctor. 
And she makes the comment. She's like, well, I feel so much better physically, but I didn't sleep because I'm so worried about this AIDS test. And the doctor is like, well, good news for you. Let's get it out of the way. You don't have AIDS. Mm -hmm. You do have a fetus. Growing inside you. It's there. It's been there for a while. I'm actually a little surprised as a pre-med student, you didn't figure this out. Well, that was the thing too. It's like, depending on our symptoms, sure, flu, like a lot of early signs of pregnancy do kind of manifest itself as symptoms of the flu. However, do a little more digging, Andrea. Think about other things that could be. Could it be a baby? When she asks for the AIDS test and the doctor's like, well, have you been safe? You know, are you taking all the precautions? And I feel like, you know, in that conversation in her face, you can see her being like, I mean, we're safe most of the time. Like, yeah. Like almost like second guessing if they actually are safe, which it's like, you know, you, you know, but I'm sure like depending on what forms of contraceptive you use, you, there's like a little seed of doubt, no pun intended, kind of like lingering there <laughs> just in case. Like, you don't, I mean, you never know. Cause like, gosh, now I'm watching this. It was one season. The show only had one season. It's called Good Girls Revolt. It's on Amazon Prime. And it was about the 60s and stuff. And back then, like this one character, her husband actually poked a hole in her diaphragm. And so I'm like, wait a minute, men used to do that? So just now I was like, well, maybe like Jesse poked a hole in a condom. Like, you know, you don't know because there's always like, it's no nothing's 100% for sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, and like, even if he didn't like poke a hole in the condom, like maybe there was a tear in it that y'all didn't realize until after the fact. And then yeah. like, you know, plan B wasn't around. Maybe Jesse didn't realize it when he was like, you know, throwing things away. Like. Yeah. There's a lot of things that could have happened. And so, yeah, Andrea finds out she's pregnant and, like, the look on her face is just like, I'm pregnant at 18. Yeah. In my freshman year of college. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ugh. And did y'all happen to notice? I haven't seen one in a while. This is the first time it came back. But the little, little, little baby boom mic just, like, dropped in. Like, Mr. Boom. I missed you guys. Mr. He just Boom. wanted to be here. <laughs> he was like, wait, what? what's the news? I, I, I got to know. I got to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to get a little closer. <laughs> yeah. Like, could you imagine? He almost seemed like he was just popping in and like he could have had popcorn, just like eating popcorn, waiting <laughs> to hear the news. He's like, oh, this is going to be good. We have to get yeah. her in. We got to get Andrea's reaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dip. Oh my god, a baby. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> a baby? Oh I'm out. <laughs> oh my gosh, nothing would make me happier than like if every time one dropped in, like somebody just like made clips on YouTube and put a voice over it and be like, girl, you pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> back out. That'd be amazing. Oh man. But yeah, I, hey, and they wrote in her pregnancy with Gabrielle Carteris' pregnancy, so it all works out. <laughs> I'm I'm so curious, like, what's going to happen next? Because, like, the show, they're going to make it. It's Jesse's. It's fine. Whatever. But, like, technically, it could be Jesse's or Dan's. True, 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 true. Very good point. So, like, I'm really curious how this is going to play out and especially, like, how Jesse is going to react because 
this is a drama. It's essentially a soap opera. I could totally see Jesse like freak out, start saying like, well, maybe it's not even mine. I don't know. And then like them get in a huge fight and like have to repair that relationship. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. I mean, there's a lot of different ways the show could take it. I remember actually, this is one of the things I do remember about the show, like what ends up happening. So I'm not going to say anything, but yeah, there's so many different ways that it could go. It could be the whole, you know, am I the father? It could be like reacting well. It could be reacting poorly, just like I'm not ready for this, you know, like so many different turns. So we'll we'll see. Yeah. And then like, yeah, what if he reacts super well and is really excited about having a baby and she's like, well, I don't know if I want it. Yeah. And then that could kind of spark the conversation, which would be so appropriate for the show of you know, abortion, like, right? Like Mm -hmm. not like in a situation that is not brought on by trauma, right? Like it could be a a healthy way to talk about abortion when it's, when it's just not right for you. So. Yeah. Which I don't know where, you know, everything was in the early nineties. I know like Roe v. Wade had already happened. So like abortion was legal And they're in California, which does happen to have, like, more liberal areas, so maybe it was accessible. But I'm so curious how Fox would handle that conversation. Mm -hmm. So true. Because I will never forget that they made Brenda and Dylan break up because Brenda enjoyed having sex. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll just – I'll never forget it. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm I'm actually really excited about – like, I really hope that that is – a big part of the next episode is seeing what happens with Andrea and Jesse and this little baby. But I think that's it for her. That's it for her. It was short and sweet. I know. So uh, who we got next? Howard tells David to stop complaining about his sad life on the air and make a better, less sad playlist for radio. David's like, but I'm sad and also I can't sleep. Howard's like, you know how to fix that? Stop doing meth. Later, at home, David is a dick to Kelly. Kelly asks if David is on drugs, and David's like, I don't have a drug problem, but if I did, you'd be the sister I'd tell. Kelly buys that shit. David promised Mel he'd babysit Aaron because, I don't know, did Nina have a thing? Anyway, (laughs) Kelly is going to be there too, except for just one hour where she has to be at an appointment. When David and Kelly go to Mel's office to pick up Aaron, David finds a not-well-hidden key to the drug cabinet and steals a fistful of codeine pills. He goes ahead and takes two because that's what you should do before you babysit a toddler. David and Kelly take Aaron to the park. David almost lets Aaron eat a cookie from a strange old lady and buys her ice cream as a reward for running off by herself. Kelly lectures him about rewarding bad behavior. Then she leaves for her appointment. When Kelly gets back, she can't find Aaron, and David is just asleep on a bench. They call the police and Mel. At first, the police think Jackie took Aaron, but that didn't happen. Mel comforts a distraught Jackie, while David blames himself again and again. Everyone keeps telling him it's not his fault, but it very much is his fault. The police find Aaron safe with some lady who lives near the park. Everyone is relieved to have her back. Back at the beach house... David tells Kelly he took drugs and that's why he lost Aaron. He asks her to help him. She gives him a hug and agrees to help. Oh my gosh. I I could not get over when they're at the police station and the police and then Mel like really cling to the fact that Jackie probably took the baby. Which, if that were truly the case, 
there there would i guess in theory be no issue because they have joint custody and she's her mother so they wouldn't have I mean, to go through all this and they could just call jackie and ask her hey do you have your daughter by chance see that's the thing right like i it would be an issue because like parental kidnapping is a thing like but I feel like they cling to all this stuff and then just make everybody sit there rather than acknowledging, like, we're going to send somebody to go find your ex-wife. Right. Like, right. If she took the baby and they're like, well, we called and left a message on her machine. Like, if she actually took the baby and left, she'd be in Utah by the time they found out. Right. Like, she wouldn't call back <laughs> or, like, go to the station or something. It's like that voicemail is essentially just, like, throwing something into the air and just Hoping it lands in the right spot. I know. I do love that she gets to the police station and starts, like, yelling. And they're like, ma'am, calm down. Yeah. Where'd you put the baby? Like, she wouldn't be there. No. Not a chance. But before all that happens, yeah. Yeah. Like, we open the show where David is doing the radio show. Finals are finally done. (laughs) Thank God. We're, like, nearly to February. Um, but he's miserable because he hasn't slept in two weeks or talked to Donna in two weeks, or I'm sorry, in three weeks. And he still calls her his girlfriend, but like, bruh, you broke up with her. So not your girlfriend. But anyway, yeah. So Howard comes in, complains about David's material, complains about the playlist. And David, just like Mary said in the synopsis, like he just wants the pills or the meth or whatever from Howard. And obviously Howard's like, I'm not your drug dealer, bruh. So just stop doing the meth, which is funny because he kept saying the meth. So I, I know I wrote that. Down. It's easy. Stop doing the meth. The meth. Like, Howard, sir. Howard has to know what the meth does to people. So like, it's not as easy as just stop doing it. I, I know. I kind of hate. Now that we're talking about it, I haven't really thought about this before. I kind of hate that Howard just does the meth casually on his own, right? Like, he had the meth before when he gave it to David, and he's just like, no, I'm fine. I feel like he's just like, stop doing that meth that I gave you. Like, that's why he's calling it the meth, because he's like, stop doing it. You're going to get me in trouble because I gave you the meth, so stop doing the meth. That I gave you. <laughs> but it's also like he's shaming him for not not handling it like Howard handles it. You know what I mean? Like, he's almost like, I didn't expect you to react this way, so just stop. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing that's kept happening. He just gave David the meth and showed him, like, oh, if you put it in orange juice, you can drink it easier than snorting it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, like, he didn't explain, like, you shouldn't do a lot of it. Like, you need to pace yourself. You're going to crash. So you should, like, have more juice ready. After. Like, he didn't do anything else because I guess he equates that with being a drug dealer or something. Also, sorry, I just remembered this. I was looking at Google News yesterday and a bunch of people got arrested for hiding meth oil in paint, which then turned into a whole thing for me. That I didn't Google because I was really scared of how much I've been Googling meth. <laughs> but meth comes in oil? Oh, no. How do you get it out of the paint? <laughs> yeah. Right. 
I was like, I have so many questions right now, but like, I can't keep Googling meth. I'm going to get on a watch list. But Just like, also Google, I'm writing a book after you're done Googling all this stuff <laughs> you're Googling. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> Just Google, I need to know about meth for a podcast I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. But like, for real though, how do you get it out of the painting? Do you like light it? I, I don't, you got to get the, okay. is it a fume? Like, <laughs> As, it's an oil, like. I, I read the article. It didn't look like they were, like, putting the oil in containers and then hiding the containers in the paint. They were putting the oil in the paint. So it's like, are you, like, you're going to paint the walls and then lick the meth off the wall? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really confused. What you do is you paint the wall. You take the paint. You paint the wall. Then you take one of those, um, the, like, little – Squeegee. No, no, no. It's like the the, the, the thing. scraper? The scraper, yes. The scraper. And you just scrape off the paint from the wall and you, you catch the flakes in like a cup. And you then you mix. The no, no, no. Then you pour orange juice in it. <laughs> oh my God. That's so gross. <laughs> you mix it together with your finger and then you drink it. <laughs> It's just like pulpy orange juice. It's fine. Exactly. It's just pulpy orange juice. So it, it's fine. <laughs> I was thinking somehow when you paint the wall, the oil doesn't dry with the rest of it. So you just squeegee it down and <laughs> collect it in a little in a little cup. So see, yeah. It's, it's already whole, drinkable. <laughs> yeah, the whole idea is that you do drink meth. <laughs> Hold on. I actually might have an answer now that we're talking. What if – so it's like oil and paint, and paint separates on its own. So maybe the oil separates and rises to the top of the paint, and you just skim the meth off because you're doing meth. You don't care if there's paint in there. True. You just take a butter knife yeah. and just, like, scrape it off <laughs> like the head of a beer or something. <laughs> cool. Okay. So I have this feed. <laughs> yeah. See, I didn't have to Google meth. Yeah, we know. We can figure it out. <laughs> but, like, I am positive that that showed up in my Google News because I've been Googling meth. And it's like, uh -oh. you must want to know about meth in your area. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you want hot meth in your area? Click here. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, God. <laughs> if this podcast ever just goes off the air, we'll all know why. Yep. It's because we figured out how to... Do oil meth. <laughs> oh my god. And like, what if you used it like essential oils and you put it in a diffuser and you just methed up your house? Maybe that's it, actually. That would probably be the more efficient way. <laughs> the efficient way. <laughs> it's holistic. <laughs> it's an all-natural way of doing meth. The, the meth. Okay. Anyway. So, yeah. Howard has told David to stop doing the math. David goes home, flops onto his bed on the floor, yells at Donna. And then the next time we see him, he's coming into the kitchen and Kelly's on the phone with Jackie and Jackie is just like bitching about Mel. And I swear, like Jackie has friends. She needs to talk to people that are not Kelly. Yeah, I'm just worried I, that, like, some of her friends are still her old drug friends, and so it's like, maybe she hasn't done a good job of making new friends. 
She could call Cindy. I bet Cindy would be so great for this. But like Kelly, she does set boundaries and mm-hmm. it makes me very happy that like Kelly is like, we cannot be talking about this. I don't want to oh, do yeah. this. She doesn't want to be in the middle. I mean, that's uh, – yeah. She doesn't want to take sides. She doesn't want to be in the middle. She doesn't want to be involved. She's like – which is exactly what she should do is stay out of it because she's a kid. She's not right. a girlfriend. No. Everybody just wants to complain to Kelly right now. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel bad for her. Because David comes in and just starts bitching that, like, they don't have anything he wants to eat. Yeah. Like, do we have anything else except cereal? It's like, cereal's great, Which, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> and, by the way, I am positive he does not go grocery shopping. No, absolutely not. He just eats Kelly's food. Mm-hmm. And then – he gives the same laundry list of complaints where he's like, I haven't slept. I had finals. I broke up with Donna. Da 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 da. And like, at this point, I started thinking, like, do you think he got tired of this speech? Like, he gives this speech over and over and over. Probably. I would. Right? Like, I would just start, especially if you have to do it in multiple takes, I would just start like changing it up in the takes. Like, mm-hmm. this sounds horrible. But then but, we learn this is where like um, Kelly or um, yeah Kelly just straight up asks David if he's doing drugs, and he's like nah. But I would tell you if I was. Which is yeah kind of weird. Like, I mean he does later, so I guess he's telling the truth. But I was like, who just says like I would tell you if I was doing drugs? No, you wouldn't. That's the whole reason we have to ask. Exactly. But she gives him a hug, and that's adorable because hugs are good for you. Mm-hmm. And I just really like that they care about each other so much. Yeah, and it actually kind of placates him a little bit and makes him feel a little bit better. And and then we also know that um, this that they are babysitting Aaron today. So then they go to Mel's office where they can pick up Aaron and – they decide to take her to the park, but Kelly does have an appointment for about an hour, which, like, foreshadowing. We should have seen this coming. Um, and they're just talking about that. And then, basically, as they're leaving, David says he's going to go to the bathroom, but I was like, you're not fooling anybody, bud. And he goes back into Mel's office. I get, it's not really even his office. It's just, like, an exam room or something. And he finds a loose key, just a loose key. In a cabinet that opens one that has basically the, I guess, the practice's stock of drugs. <laughs> I know. Like, I haven't, you know, been to a dentist in a while because I just haven't. I'm horrible about that. But the last time I went to the doctor, I was thinking about it. Like, they have a separate room for the drugs. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's called the pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but like, really, I, you know, my gynecologist, like, I just switched practices because they were, like, horrible of just leaving me for an hour. Mm. And all I could think of in this scene was, like, if they had all the medications in those rooms while I was in there, like, I could make out, like, a bandit. Totally. I know why they did it. Like, they're not going to build another set so that David can go find codeine. Like, they're just not going to do it. I know why they put it in here. But, yeah, I was just like, he just opened this this cabinet, and it is just full of painkillers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who knows what all was in there? 
Um, especially if, because um, Mel is like a surgeon, I think, an oral surgeon. So it's like he probably had all sorts of different things, like could have been morphine, could have been uh, Valium. It could have been like loads of different stuff, as well as like anesthesia medicine. I, I mean, who knows? But um, I also wanted to say I hated these shots. It felt like an old horror film, you know, where they're like, trying to create suspense and almost slow the shots down a bit to like not only pass the time, but to show the gravity of the situation. Hated them. I just, I'm not a fan of these, these shots. They were very close up, very slow. I was like, we get it. He's taking the drug. Just have him go take it. Yeah. I mean, like when he dumped all the pills into his hand and then there was like a close up shot of just a handful of codeine. I was like, I mean, I get it, and I, I guess I get David being like, am I really doing this? Am I really stealing drugs from my dad? But at the same time, like, David's got a drug problem. Like, I don't think we need as much as we got. I feel like they could have accomplished it by doing – maybe keep – the only, like, extreme close-up you get is of the pills to show the number that he took, you know? Like, because obviously if you take one pain pill – doesn't really do a whole lot. Of course, depending on your body composition and your weight and all that kind of stuff, like it actually could do a lot. But if they show a close up of him taking like five, six, sure. But then to make it more suspenseful, I'm not a filmmaker. So obviously, I don't know. I'm not going to say like I know better than anybody. But to me, what would have landed better was if they made it more about him being afraid of getting caught than just the severe close-up of his face and just like the slow shot of him opening his mouth and putting the pill in his like I don't know I just was not a fan yeah so this just made me think of this episode of Degrassi where um JT has found out that Liberty is pregnant and can't make enough money to support her so he gets a job at a pharmacy and then I feel like it's Jay, like one of the bad boy Canadians, he's just like, <laughs> oh, you have access to all these drugs and uh, and uh, I know people who will buy that stuff. And so JT like steals a bunch of like oxycodone or something. And but yeah, like the whole time that was happening, like you could just see the fear in his face mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, the reasons why he was doing it were just more compelling, I guess. Right. Yeah, I I think it could have been kind of interesting if they like rather than spending the time like showing him very slowly doing this, holding the you know handful of pills, like you see him find the key, open the cabinet because I mean this is his dad's practice. He probably would have known where it was right away. Mm-hmm. Dump a bunch in his hand, like sit there for a minute, like am I really doing this? Take some, and then like as he's like just closed everything and put the key back and stuck all the pills in his pocket like Kelly or Mel come down the hall and is like hey are you ready we're going and like just almost caught him exactly I agree because he's already lied to Kelly so it would make it more compelling if she almost caught him yeah and then that doesn't happen they go to the park like Mary said some old lady is just like would you like a cookie (laughs) it's really weird and then Aaron runs off 
David tries to buy her ice cream. Kelly is just like, no, no, we need to teach her not to run off. You can't reward her for running off to the ice cream without us. And then she leaves for her appointment. And when she comes back, David's asleep on the bench and the baby is nowhere. Which you thought, I mean, I feel like we kind of saw this coming, right? The whole, I have to only be gone for just one hour. David, you can watch her, right? And then the building of like, we know that David's really tired and he's already grumpy and he's already trying to like reinforce bad behavior with Aaron and like all this kind of stuff. So you kind of see it coming, but still, it, it still sucks that like David falls asleep on a bench and Aaron is just gone because like I can only imagine not only from like Kelly and Mel and Jackie's point of view, but from David's point of view, just being like, what? I I thought I was only asleep for five seconds, you know, like whatever. And then just being like terrified, not only that your sister's gone, but then you have, it's your fault, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was another thing that Mary brought up in the synopsis is how many people being like, it's not your fault. And it's like, but it is. And I feel like, like they had to like, it would have been better if they actually said it is your fault, right? Like, if they would have actually been mad at him. Yeah, because, like, this is, you know, they go to the police station, they call Mel, Mel brings in a photo, and then the detective brings up Jackie kidnapping Aaron, and then they're all just like, no, no, Jackie must have kidnapped her, not she ran off while David fell asleep. Exactly. Which I understand at this point they're trying to figure out who – who could have taken her or where she would have gone, it wouldn't be helpful to just blame David because that doesn't help you find her. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like the wake-up call, quote-unquote, for David would have been better if they had gotten really mad at him. Um, I mean, still attempting to to find Aaron, obviously, but like, I feel like getting mad at him and almost saying, like, you're never going to watch her again, like, you better hope she comes back, like, all this whatever would have been better for his like ultimate revealing of his drug problem to Kelly. Yeah. And then, you know, they spend the whole day at the police station. Jackie comes in hysterical because her daughter is missing. And they're just like, ma'am, are you hysterical because you stole the baby? Are you unstable? Which Mm -hmm. just made me so mad. And then like they get a call, I think from like LAPD or like, you know, a, a different police department versus where they are saying that, like, somebody has found Aaron, and she was right next to the park, which I'm sure they canvassed, and they make the comment about the housekeeper, like, not having legal papers, and so she was really scared to tell anybody the baby was there. And so, like, I'm sure the implication is that they canvassed, and this woman was just like, no, I haven't seen her, even though she was there, but, like, it didn't really land with me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just seemed like, oh, yeah, she's just here, and they just didn't want to tell. So that's all. Yeah, no, it it felt more to me that they didn't actually go looking for her. Because I feel like, especially if this woman did not have, like, legal immigration status and was scared of the police, that, like, holding the baby for a day is worse. Like, now you actually have kidnapped the kid. Mm Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, like, also, I don't know the laws on toddlers, but I know, like, for a missing miss, missing, <laughs> missing persons report, the person has to be gone for, what, like, 48 hours or something? I think kidnapping or children might be different, but mm-hmm. I think 
to your point, it just feels like they were do- they're being lazy about it because they're like, oh, it was the mom who kidnapped, so that's got to be it. Because also the detective or whoever he was, he was so emotionless the whole time, which I understand you have to be like unbiased so that you don't jump to emotional conclusions or something. But he was almost like too far the other way where he just like believed Mel rather than like listening to Jackie as well or even being empathetic that like their daughter's missing. No, I mean, they they really jump to like, well, she's unstable. She's been yelling a lot. Like she clearly did it, which is very much like women are too emotional to do blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. I think that's where I ended up landing and it just rubbed me the wrong way the whole time. And I was like, just blame David. Yeah, like whatever the detective ends up saying, it's just like, all right, you listen to one possibility and now you're running with it. Like if you're a cop, if you're a detective, you don't rule out any suspects, right? Like you don't rule out any possibility. Like why don't you look for other ideas more than just this one? And like, yeah, make a comment and say, you know, we are canvassing the neighborhoods. We're going to turn this picture into a flyer so that people can hand it out and like talk about the fact that you are exhausting all of the avenues. Exactly. But they don't. Erin ends up coming home safe. She's totally fine. Everybody, like, crowds around her and they're like, oh, my gosh, we were so worried about you. Except David, who is in the back, because rightfully so, he feels guilty about what could have happened. Yep. Absolutely. And, like, it sucks. I feel bad for him. But it's, it is his fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, at least he feels remorseful, right? Like, at least he's not just, like – because he keeps saying, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. So good on him for realizing, yeah, bro, it's your fault. Um, even to the point where they get home later, um, David and Kelly do, and he comes clean about what's been going on. He said that he had been doing meth. Um, he needs help. He asked Kelly specifically for help. And, of course, she's like, yeah, I'm going to help you. You're my brother, blah, blah, blah. So, Yeah, and then they hug again, and she specifically says, like, I don't hate you. And she Mm -hmm. hugs him. And then, like, I feel like it was really painfully obvious that they ADR'd the lines of him being like, I need help into her shoulder. But that was my only thing. And I will end talking about all of this with if Aaron is not going to stop running away, Aaron gets put on a leash. (laughs) I was a leash kid for, like, seriously, like a week. I hated being on a leash when I was really little. And I stopped running away. So Nate I'm just saying. Nate wanted to be on a leash because he was terrified of crowds and his parents wouldn't put him on one. <laughs> like I I truly imagine like little baby Nate putting the leash on himself and then just like trying to give his parents the lead. Poor baby. He tells this story all the time and it's adorable. But he and his dad and brother were at Disneyland or Disney not Disneyland, Disney World or something. And he got so upset because there's just so, so many people in Disney World. And he, like, did the classic thing of a kid where you, like, pull, like, the jeans or something of one guy and you look up and it's not your dad. And he saw a kid on a leash and he, like, told his dad he wanted to be on a leash. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sweet little baby Nate. And I fully believe that's why he still does not like crowds to this day. I mean, that's totally fair. You get separated and, like, realize that you could have gotten, like, super duper lost. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
even now knowing you have like Google Maps and you're a full grown adult and like <laughs> it wouldn't be the worst thing, like you still have that inside you. That happened. I also think that's I totally why he get has it. like super good spatial reasoning because he can like, I don't know, he just knows where he is at all times. <laughs> so I think he had to like develop that skill at a young age. Oh. Poor little Nate. And see, if they put Aaron on a leash, she could grow up to be Nate and have amazing spatial reasoning. That's right. But they're not gonna. I guarantee they won't. Yeah, definitely not. But like, All leashes right. were totally a thing. Sorry. Oh, they totally Continue. were. Oh, they totally were. Let's, let's wrap this up. Ready for Dylan? No, but yes. Okay. <laughs> Dylan takes Erica surfing without checking first to see if she can swim. Then he tries to teach her how to swim. It goes okay until Erica gets her period for the very first time. Erica wants her mom. Dylan, unsure what to do, brings her to the next best thing, Cindy Walsh. While at the Walsh's, Jim tells Dylan that he did that background check on Suzanne, whose last name is Steele for Christ's sakes. Anyway... <laughs> Jim says Suzanne has $25,000 in her savings account, so she's not without everything, I guess. Suzanne comes back that night, and Dylan is like, hey, you have money in your bank account. Suzanne's like, oh yeah, we got that from the insurance for my trailer that I lost in that flood. Suzanne then shows Dylan a photo of her and Jack and confesses that them was wild times, and she can't really be sure that Jack is Erica's dad, even though she's always told Erica that Jack is Erica's dad. Dylan says he doesn't really care because that's his sister. This is so fresh. Like, Dylan is obviously being taken by this woman, mm -hmm. and it makes me so frustrated that he can't see it. But, like, him and Erica are so cute together, and it hurts. I know. Dylan was like, you can tell he's one of those guys that's just like meant to be a big brother and it's adorable. It's just, it's so cute. I mean, like he bought her, I assume he bought and didn't rent a surfboard and a little wetsuit to fit her little like 12 year old body. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting there like talking about how they both read the man in the sea, which bullshit. No 12 year old girl chooses to read the man in the, the old man in the sea. Sorry. <laughs> And they're, like, sitting there talking and, like, getting ready to go surfing. And then Dylan's friend Bear shows up for five seconds and then never again. I looked. He is never back on this show. And he's only been in, like, four things total. So I think this ruined him. <laughs> <laughs> I, which sucks because, like, he showed up and he was even, like, in the IMDb photo for this uh, episode. And I was just like, Bear is kind of pretty. Mm -hmm. Also, his real name is Rusty Thrasher, and I feel like he should have just been Rusty Thrasher. I don't think they needed to name him Bear. What oh a name. God. Isn't that a good name? That's so good. That's like like a, like a either a really good athlete or like a journalist. I feel like that's, I don't know, two names that could really work for those careers. I or just, a really cool bird. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, he easily could have just been Rusty, and I feel like that would have been, like, a good, like, surfer name. Like, it would have been fine. That's true. 
But yeah, he shows up in the scene, says hi, makes a comment about like Dylan being a brother or something, and then leaves, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Kind of pointless. Yeah, but then like them talking kind of, I guess, progresses the scene, to which point Erica admits that she can't swim, so they can't go surfing, even though they already got the surfboard and the wetsuit, and he's been teaching her how to like get up on the board to stand up. Mm-hmm. So rather than go surfing, he takes her to like the Y so that they can learn how to swim in like three feet deep water. Right. And she's clearly afraid of it, but she's also complaining about like her stomach hurting and things like that, which of course, like Dylan just thinks, oh, you're nervous. You know, you, you're just like uneasy about the water, but it's okay. I'll help you. I'll talk you through it. I'm here with you through it. And he then uses the whole old man in the sea um, references to like get her to do it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she does. They end up having like a pretty decently okay swimming lesson. But then afterwards, he changes. He's sitting outside the women's locker room waiting for her and she's just not coming out. Right. So then these two little girls come out and Dylan's like, hey, is there anybody else in the bathroom? And it's a little creepy, but like obviously understand this was a different time. So this is through our lens, not the lens of the 90s. So obviously Dylan's intent is to just make sure that his little sister's okay. Yeah, which like the the like little girls that come out are just like, oh yeah, there's still somebody in there and she won't come out. And like the whole time I was like, stranger danger. Like you should not be telling this man that there is a little girl in there who's really upset. And then he goes mm-hmm. in and he's trying to talk to her and this like woman shows up and starts yelling at him. And she actually gets it. She's like, you can't be in here. And I'm pretty sure you're trying to, like, steal that child. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, Erica comes out and is like, no, no, this is my brother. Everything's kind of fine. I'm also pretty sure that this woman is Karen Rosen. Oh, really? Our buddy Charlie's wife. That's kind of fun. I like that Easter egg. Right? like. Right around the show, doing little cameos. Also, I saw one of the girls, I don't remember her first name, but her last name is Rosen, like credited on IMDb. So I think that's their kid too. Hmm. Neat. Right? (laughs) A little family moment. Right? I'm like, oh. (laughs) I was just like, why does she have to play such a bitchy woman? Why couldn't she be like a nice lady? Maybe she wanted to do it. She could have been really mad at, like, Luke Perry that day or something, and she just needed an outlet. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that idea that, like, they hired an extra, and she was like, no, no. I want to do this. I've got this. <laughs> but, yeah, she, like, shows up, bitches at him, and is like, I'm going to go call somebody if you don't leave right now. And then Erica comes out and is like, no, it's fine. And she just walks away. She's like, I guess I'll wait longer. Right. And then, well, well, Erica got her first period, and Dylan's like, okay, this is fine. I don't know what to do, but it's fine. It was kind of cute how he handled it because it was very typical male, like, oh. (laughs) And then not at all knowing what to do. But the thing he does know to do is to take her to a woman, more specifically 
the best woman that he knows, even more specifically, Cindy. (laughs) It made me so happy. Like, I kind of feel like in the writer's room, they were like, we have to get rid of every available woman so that he has to go to Cindy. But of course he would go to Cindy. Of course. And, like, of course Cindy handles it perfectly and is like, she's fine. We had everything we needed here. Like, she's good. And then little Erica comes out and is like, do I look different? I'm so grown up. Which I'll be honest, not my reaction when it happened to me. I'm like, I hate this. This sucks. <laughs> I, I got mine in a Target I got mine at school. Oh, no. Same. So, not fun for a little old Caitlin. No. I got mine right after, like, PE, I think. Yeah. Or mine was after. Yeah. Mine was after physical activity. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I feel like the episode kind of takes a little bit of a dark turn for Dylan now. Because this is when Jim, like, sits him down and hands him everything because, of course, Jim brought the receipts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she's lying to you. She has $25,000. She is not destitute. You should not give her another $5,000. Right. Which then Dylan's like, man. So then he goes back to his house and Suzanne shows up and she, you know, like, thanks Dylan for watching Erica and, like, basically explains how happy Erica has been since she since they came out here and Dylan is automatically like on edge a little bit just like oh yeah how was your trip like and then just immediately confronts her about the $25,000 which like this whole thing kind of gets a little wild at this point he calls her out and she's like how the hell did you know about that and then he tells her and then she's like so you checked up on me after all I can't blame you. I'd do the same in your shoes. Like, then why didn't you just give him the stuff anyway? Right. Like, she threw that whole fit about the social security number early on, which, sure, that's fine. But if you knew what was coming and thought that he might look – like, why not just be upfront about it in the beginning? Like, I genuinely think even if Dylan knew about the settlement – that she got from the insurance money, like he still probably would have helped her out or at least still watched Erica while she tied up loose ends. Like I fully believe Dylan is a good person and would just do that out of the kindness of his own heart, but he would do it more willingly and more like accepting if she was honest with him from the get go. Yeah. And then she gets like real convenient about it and is like, that money just hit my account three days ago. I didn't think I was going to get it. Blah, 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 blah. And like, Yeah, just real convenient timing. Like, I didn't give you the background check before, which if I had, you would have seen that there was nothing in there. And then by the time you actually run it, there just happens to be $25,000 in there. And I have an excuse. Right. Right. And it's like, like, if you just would have said, I don't know if this money is coming in, but it might, that would have been fine. Yeah. But like, Clearly that money was there the whole time and she's a grifter and she's stealing from him and now she's just like, well, I just happen to have an excuse for it. I'm so Mm -hmm. curious how like background checks can work with banks. Like can you get – how far back can you get a history or like a credit report or, you know, something like that? I just – I don't know how much Jim did and how in-depth he really went. Yeah, 
which I don't know that we will know that far. Yeah, it's not that important. But the other thing is, like, Suzanne's talking about, like, shows Dylan the picture of her and Jack. But then she goes into this whole thing about she doesn't even know if Jack is Erica's father. And I'm like, well, can't you just, like, run a DNA test or, like, a paternity test or something? Yeah, they make this big deal that, like, well, Jack's dead, so I guess we'll never know. And I'm like, "Mm, you got Jack's kid right in front of you. Yeah. It's, like, it feels very much like she's trying to tie up loose ends of, like – oh, well, you found out about the money, so I'm going to need to get ahead of whatever you're going to find out about Erica. Right. And so then it just kind of puts, like, this whole cloud over this whole Dylan and Erica situation because because you can see that Dylan and Erica are getting really, really close, and they're cute together, and, like, clearly Erica trusts Dylan um, and all this kind of stuff, and Suzanne is the wild card. And so now it's like, are we going to really get a damaged relationship now between Dylan and Erica well, we know that Dylan is, like, being loyal, but, like, he has no loyalty to Suzanne except for the fact that she is potentially the mother of his half-sister. But Which might yeah. not even be his half-sister. And then, for some reason, he's just like, I don't care. hmm And, like, Which, I know he's – he wants a family, but mm-hmm. – buddy – Well, and it just shows, like, what a big, big heart he has and what a genuine person he is. But you're right. He just wants a family so bad, and he's clearly willing to go to a lot of lengths to, you know, be okay with Erica and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it just kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, that's how this episode essentially ends, like, that's not like the last scene in the episode I don't think but like that's it I think we've covered everything and I just am really sad for Dylan oh me too I mean I think the things to look forward to in the coming episode the next episode is the fallout from Andrea finding out she's pregnant right like we get to see how she really reacts how potentially Jesse reacts all that good stuff um you know and the other things to look forward to I guess is Maybe Kelly gets to help David with his problem, right? But do we get to know if Donna finds out? Who, Like, who else finds out about this? Um, and then maybe we'll get back to Brandon and Deshaun being buddies because that would actually be kind of nice for him to have a friend that, sure, he might help out with school, but maybe they'll actually get to be friends. Yeah, Brandon needs more friends. Like, I don't know, I... I feel like he and Steve are not good friends and that they shouldn't be friends because they're clearly just kind of dicks to each other. And then, like, he just hasn't been paying any attention to David or, well, not paying attention to David either, but I meant to say Dylan. (laughs) Yeah, kind of both. (laughs) Yeah, like, I feel like Brandon is just off on his own island right now. So, like, yeah, maybe he just needs more friends. Yeah, he just needs to kind of, like, um, broaden his horizons now that he's in college which he started to kind of do a little bit so let's explore that Mm -hmm. yeah like get back into sports do more tutoring stuff like don't just hang out with the same friends you had in high school even though I know it's a tv show Mm -hmm. that's the whole Mm -hmm. point like well but the whole idea is we're gonna get more people coming in and out of the friend group and and they're gonna gravitate towards like certain people in the friend group it's not like we're gonna add people and oh they're like 
they have a relationship with every single person in the group. So, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens um, next week. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see more development. Like I feel like a lot happened this week. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different, it was weird. It was like, there's a lot of different things that happened because they all have separate storylines, except like so many people didn't really have a storyline this episode. Cause it was like, Donna, Brendan, Brandon, Steve, all in one plot. <laughs> well, and like nothing happened there. Like mm-hmm. they went skiing and just had like a nice weekend. That was it. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> I, I'm i fine with it. Me too. Um, okay. So <laughs> I have two options for quote of the week that I've both already said. I'm trying to decide which one I want to like make my actual guess. Okay. My guess for quote of the week this week is Steve and Brandon fucking with Jim and just being like, Fred Siegel hair shirt? No, just hormones. 1995, <laughs> right? <laughs> all right. All right. Mary, what's your guess? Um, that's the one that I wrote down, but I also wrote uh, a thing that D- or Brenda said. She said, fun is the best revenge and she is not wrong. Hmm. I like that. I didn't write that one down. Both excellent quotes. However, if you guys know me, you know I hate the cold. And that I constantly <laughs> wish it was like 80 degrees, always, forever. So my quote of the week comes from our girl Kelly Taylor, who says, Oh, come on, Donnie. You know when the temperature drops below 40, I hibernate. Which, same. <laughs> Kelly yeah. Taylor. Spitting truth. I mean, she why I, oh, she knows stuff and why I decided to get a puppy who needs to go out every other hour in winter. I'll never know. At least it's not hot. I love the heat. I would welcome the heat. If it was a hundred degrees every day, I wouldn't complain. Okay. Maybe if it was a oh. hundred degrees every day, I'd complain. But if it was like <laughs> 80, I wouldn't complain. Nope. This is why I have cats. I don't have to leave the house except to, like, bring things in for them. True. But it's nice being outdoors. It's nice. I just don't want to do it when it's so cold out. It's, like, 35 right now. I know. It's been very cold lately. Yeah. Icky. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what's next week in Beverly Hills? Oh, crap. Where it's not I just as cold. exited. I just exited out. Um, I do know that next week is season four. Episode 18, Heartbreaker. Oh, that could be anybody. It really mm-hmm. could. It literally like, could be anybody. Yeah, that could be like Suzanne to Dylan. That could be Jesse or Andrea to the other. That could be Donna and David. <sighs> That's a lot. Okay. I hope it's a good one. I'm ready for Mm -hmm. a good episode. Um, So, yeah, I guess that'll be next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. Yeah, or you can shoot us an email. We've got a couple correspondences that we need to get back to, and we will do that. Um, But, yeah, just send us your thoughts, your comments, um, anything you'd like to say to us about the episodes, about how we do the formatting, whatever you want. It's an open forum, so do what you want. And that's at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com.
Yeah. And don't forget to share, like, subscribe, rate, review, all those things in your podcast apps because those really help us get seen. Uh, we appreciate five stars, but we also appreciate your honesty even more. Yeah, we just like your thoughts. So send them on over. Yeah, we do a podcast. We love to talk. Talk to us. <laughs> Clearly. So yeah, I guess we will see y'all next week. And from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm Bear. I'm Chad. Damn it, I was going to be Chad, <laughs> but I guess I'll just stop my period. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See ya.